up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble flowing asleep. Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that's here to put you to sleep. We do it the bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights and press play. I'm going to do the rest. And what I'm going to do is carve out a little safe place here uh, where you can set aside whatever's been keeping you awake, whether it's racing mind, you know, pain in the body, pain in the whatever, you know, emotional turmoil, tumult, uh, travel, any of the terrible teas that I, you know, especially the ones I don't remember, anything that's bothering you distracting you, noises, irritate, whatever it is, I'm going to try to take your mind off of that. What I'm going to do is send my voice and my intention to put you asleep, or my best intention, whatever it is, across a deep, dark night. In some sense, I'm going to try to keep you company, you, you know, auditory company. I'm going to be like a friend coming over to just tell you a bedtime story, take your mind off of stuff, and you can fall asleep whenever you want. I'll let myself out. And since I'm just, uh, you know, you, I'm, you, the sleep timer will do that for you. But the whole idea of this podcast is that you listen to me and instead that you can't think of two things at once or three things at once. I, I guess this is like you're controversial uh, to my brain, to my brain bots, because they say, well, you can't say that you don't have any. So, I'm, you know, they always want to start up trouble. But he said, well, I'm pretty sure if you listen to me instead of thinking or listening to your brain bots, that's what I call them, all those bedtime thoughts. You know, I'll just be here rambling. I'm going to use lulling, soothing tones, pointless meanders, uh, plane drifting, stuff like that. I don't even know what those are called. It's like an interrupted pregnant pause. We, inter- we now interrupt this pregnant pause for Scooter to make an unidentified, you know, pregnant pauses interrupted by unidentifiable noises. Uh, coming out of doubt, confusion, or uncomfortableness, like a, uh, hmm, um, yeah, that was that's doubt right there. That's just um, I, I can't. I don't think I can fake the uncomfortableness one. So let me just tune right into my, you know, be, let me be present in the moment, and then I'll be, uh, yeah, there you go. That's uncomfortableness. Not hard. Not a reach for me to get a, a, a dose of authentic uncomfortableness. Uh, but see, we can laugh at these things because we're to, if we're together, even if it's in some strange digital, you know, you know, whatever. I, I don't know. I don't need. I wanted to say Walter Mitty, but I meant the other guy that actually, Marshall McLuhan. And you know, obviously, if you if you have a decent intelligence, you should say, okay, this guy. Obviously, we're not dealing with a, a professor here because he's getting Walter Mitty and Marshall McLuhan mixed up. Uh, though I would posit this, and if you'll give me, give me a little leeway here, if there is an afterlife in which fictional characters and real-life people could exist, I would say that there is a chance, excuse me, Marshall McLuhan's biographer's uh, trying to get in here, excuse me, sir, it says uh, closed set for a reason, uh, I would posit, despite the objections of biographers, uh, that Marshall McLuhan and Walter Mitty would probably hit it off. And he'd say, well, did you, get, you know, what about James Thurber? I'd say, well, is you, we got, why you got, why you got to go ruin my attempt at a metaphor? You just blew it with, you just, uh, 
I said, now it doesn't work. Cause I said, yeah, I don't know. Cause I said, I didn't read it. I started James Thurber's metaphor. <laughs> no, his autobiography. say, okay, this is a guy that gets metaphors and biographies and autobiography. I say, quick, hey, Scoots, just sit down here. Let me, let me help you through the rest of this intro. You know, I just want to do a little Sir Davos level truth telling. You know that biographies and autobiographies aren't metaphorical, right? That they're true stories. No, no, I was trying to say if there's an afterlife where, uh, fiction, did you hear that when I said that, that? That I think Marshall McLuhan and Walter Mitty could be good friends. And then you actually, autobiographer brain. Oh, no, autobiographer career. What are you again? You're the critical, oh, biographer watchdog. Well, that's a great name for a brain part. And what is it? What's your role? A criticism. Okay, got that. So I have a part of my brain dedicated to just hurling critical asides at me when I misspeak around biographies or autobiographies. Yes. Okay, do you mind me take it? Because I gave you a little... Oh, no, I was the one who asked for the leeway. Who was? Who just Who just said that? Oh, I, I did not... I, until this opening, I never knew I had any watchdogs in my brain. But now I got a biographical watchdog. I got a leeway watchdog. And I can't get any leeway around autobiographies or biographies. But I say, hey, you two, you two I'm about to tell a little bedtime story for brain parts. You believe that? And after a while, you'll be saying, who let the watchdogs out? You know? Okay, they're not buying it yet, but I'll win them over. Because I was just going to spin a great point before that, uh, uh, what was that, a sides watchdog? I forgot what I was going to say. I believe, say, okay, Walter Mitty and, uh, and McLuhan might be friends. You know, I think I was trying to say something else, but she kind of threw me off. That's fine, though. It was, I'm sure it wasn't a brilliant point. It's just a distracting point to say, well, you know, what would you prefer to think about at bedtime? Even you watchdogs, because I know being a watchdog, once you take on that title, it comes with a certain level of, uh, you know, cortisol production. Believe me. They they say I've had the uh, I had Exxon give me a scan because they say you know they're looking that's the next thing it's a Exxon we're one step ahead of a, a, a science fiction I think that's their new slogan but they said to me one day we may need to mine uh, cortisol so they said we you know we've heard about your cortisol levels I think that's the stress hormone uh, hopefully it is. I guess I don't have a hormone watchdog. You know, that watchdog gave up a long... It was overwhelmed. It barked and ran away. But uh, anyway, they said, you know, we we might need your cortisol reserves. And I patted that executive on the back. I said, I wish they were reserves. They're all in use, unfortunately. But that's why I do a bedtime story podcast. I guess my thought was, okay, so now I got a couple watchdogs. I got an oil company executive in here looking to... You know, by, by my, I know you're here to just get my cortisol reserves on it, you know, at a penny a dollar or whatever. But uh, which would you prefer to think about at bedtime? Walter Mitty and Marshall McLuhan, as you imagine them, you know, walking hand in hand across, you know, purple fields of flowers or something. 
you know, talking about the media and, and maybe they would even be, you know, they could analyze what they say. McCool would be like, this is obscene. This, uh, you know, and they say, and then he'd say, he'd confuse me. And I think therefore, Walter may say, the medium's the message. I say, I still, I don't equate. I said, is this podcast a pretty good example of that? Or does it refute that? And then they both crack up and then just, you know, because they're in the afterlife anyway. They don't even care. On top of that, as has been pointed out, Walter Mitty's fictional. Uh, so that's the, that's who does this podcast. Is uh, I think that's a pretty, pretty good example of uh, what makes me qualified to take your mind off stuff. And it, it, it's not going to work for everybody, clearly. I'm a man who spends too much time thinking about stuff that doesn't make any sense. It's my, that's my hobby. And, you know, I've decided to try to put it, it turns out we were talking about stuff like that. I do it all the time. I said, geez, what would they, what do you think that they would Walter Mitty and McLuhan take a, a, a tandem bicycle? Yeah. Answers. Yes. The, the debate would be who goes in, in the front, who goes in the back, you know, and then, of course, then, you know, Walter Serber, James Serber might need, you know, he might be alone in the deep track. He might need my podcast. So there you go. It comes back around full circle. My podcast, if you're straining to fall asleep, if you're struggling to fall asleep, and you find that you need something to distract you, something that's a little bit silly, but that you don't really have to engage in, it's almost background noise. But it has just enough substance to catch your attention so that you don't get caught up in all that personal. They say, well, why do you spend so much time thinking about Marshall McClum and you never even write, you know, why don't you sit down and read some of his books? And he said, well, I'm going to bed. And I say, oh, it's typical quitter. So if you have any brain parts like that, I, I want to take your mind off of it, okay? And I, I'll take the heat, you know. I'll take the watchdogs. I'll take on those. I'll just try to use this pleasant, pleasant tone. Oh, how I love these watchdogs, keeping an eye on all of us, doing their best, because that's all they can do. So I want to distract you from all that. I'm going to tell you a little silly stories and analyze the show and go on tangents and take my time getting there. But the main message shows I'm glad you're here. You know, if you're skeptical, if you're not sure, I hope the show works right. I hope it can take your mind off stuff and put you to sleep. It doesn't work for everybody, but I hope it helps you out. So I'm glad you're here. Thanks for stopping by. I really hope I can help you fall asleep. All right, housekeeping. We're on the web, www.sleepingpodcast.com. Older episodes can be found on our website. You can comment on the website. You can email me feedback at Sleep With Me Podcast. You can get me on Twitter at Dear Scooter or on Facebook at Sleep With Me Podcast. I want to thank Chris Posty Posterson from Sounds Like an Airful, who does our uh, editing and our theme music. I want to thank Scotty and Jennifer on our artwork, on our honor. I want to thank Jonathan Mann, a.k.a. the Mystery Bard, who's on our lulling lullabies. We have a Facebook group over at sleepingmepodcast.com slash nods, N-O-D-S. I want to thank Alexandra, Laura, Lida Lie, Rachel L to the G, Jennifer B and Julie C, who moderate over there. And that's just a little bit of an unofficial place where you can go 
pop in, talk about sleep stuff, meet other listeners, make friends, you know, joy and goodwill to all. I want to thank Latitude, who runs our subreddit over at sleepingpodcast.com slash reddit. And that's another great place to talk about the show or meet other listeners. And that's it. Let's get on to the podcast. What do you say? All right, so it's time for another trending Twitter Tuesday. And this is one where I, I had, the, I guess this is like uh, where I climb on my own. Uh, I don't know if this is going to be umbrage or a tangent. I don't think it's a tangent. Let me just get these trends. We've been using cities in the United States that start with M. Let's see what else we can find here. Uh, let's try Cardiff. Because why not, you know, and actually, believe it or not, it's just the close of, uh, I guess it might be after 12 p.m. and Mother's Day in the U.K. So happy Mother's Day to all the mothers in U.K. Mother's Day in the U.K. That is one phrase that's easy to say. So all you mothers, yay, yay, yay. And what could be more, you know, I guess more... I don't know, I got something that came up for me. And every once in a while, you know, I talk about the story swamp. So maybe I'll talk about the story swamp for a little. Any new people, they might say, hey, do you have a lot of questions sometimes come up like, where do you get the ideas for the show? Oh, no, that's usually when they're checking me in. That's an intake form. But I think it also comes out to say, or, you know, and I always say the story swamp. So if you're new and you don't know what the story swamp is, and this might sound like something I'm joking about, but in in this sense, I'm not joking. Uh, and this is when the show is, and it doesn't happen often or all the time, that the show is, uh, I, I guess, uh, people talk about being in a flow state or a state of flow. And I don't know if, I don't know if that's so optimistic and sounds so pleasurable, which... Uh, um, which I, I may have come across a few times, but uh, for the most part, I think the podcast sometimes when it's when when I'm doing the trending Twitter Tuesday, sometimes stuff will surprise me, and sometimes the story ideas come out of nowhere, and I'm not making them up, and I don't have a great explanation for where the story ideas come from, but where it feels like they come from. This is how it feels from my end. Not all the time. Some of the stories we do are often notes. Some of them are written. And some of them have a preconceived idea of something that's up that's bothering me or something like tonight. But then if I go in and I can stay calm, if I can put my internal critic and anxieties to, to rest or stay calm, which is, I think, one of the things that makes the podcast work overall, if I can do that, and kind of stay at ease, then ideally, um, what was my point? I can get into the story swamp. And where the story swamp is, it's not always swampy. But like a swamp, it's, uh, is loamy a right word? I think it is a loamy, loamy. A bit like Dagobah, uh, but, but like it's got mist that can change and other stuff. So I'll go into the story swamp and then I'll take a turn around a bend and I'll see a tree. I'll say, well, geez, what's in that side of that tree there? And I'll look in and then I'll say, oh, what? That's a, this uh, story part. And I'll take a look at it and I'll say, oh, that's a 
mechanical dragon, let's just say, because that was in uh, a story a while back. And then I'll say, okay, oh, and then you just talk about the mechanical, you know, and I say, okay, that fits right in with the story, right where we needed it. So it's not like I'm always imagining this stuff or thinking it up, and I don't know where the where whence the story swamp came and came and whence it'll return. And I only know that I can't just go into the story swamp when I feel like I have to be calm and 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 stuff like that. But a lot of story ideas they just come out of the story swamp. I, I can't claim uh, that I'm coming up with all this stuff. And for me, the story swamp takes great courage to even go into because it's like, uh, yeah, I'm full of doubt. You know, it just now I say, well, this story's never going to work out. And then the story swamp, well, the story swamp says, well, I'm full of loamy story stuff. Come on in. Have I ever let you down, or you know, is it just fear? And I say, I don't know. I'm too scared to find out. Story swamp. I said, well, if you need any story help, just come on into the story swamp. I'm always ready to help you story it up with, uh, you know, we, you know, but you got to, it's kind of a little dreamlike. It can't, it's not perfect. So that's where the story swamp is. And then sometimes they say these trending 22 say they have an idea that's on my mind, but it's not a story there. So that's like tonight. I, don't, I guess there was a couple of things that got me thinking about uh, ventriloquists, right? Uh, because, uh, well, okay, another metaphor. So this could be, this This will be a tangent. But one thing I was wondering, and this, I guess, is people might find funny. And I'm always trying to talk about, like, that when I sit down to do the podcast, like, uh, I don't know, it's not like I say, oh, I'm going to become, like, Drew, who's the producer of the podcast and who I am in my day-to-day life. It's not like I sit down to do a podcast and I snap my fingers and I say, scooter time. I wish I did that because that would be pretty cool. And I like kick up my feet and then boom, I take on this calmer demeanor. Uh, it's like I go to a place just like the story swamp. It's not the, st- I guess it's the scooter swamp, but that you can't use a double, you can't use a double thing like that. But so. I sit down to do the podcast, and, and it helps if I'm in this tiny back of this non-walk-in closet, this climbing closet I'm in, because I'm in a little tight pack, a little bit like, uh, it's not like womb-like, but it, it's like being in a, it's, I guess it's kid-like. It's like I'm, I've shrunken down and I'm in a, in a cardboard box, and that's a pretty sweet spot to go into, you know, imagination land. But I also go to this place. Is he said, "Is that what happens?" Like, because it's not like I change my voice when I do the podcast. I just become, and I'm not an actor, so I don't know if this is method acting. Like I said, I'm just scooter. Like I don't know what to. I don't know how it's to tell you, doctor. And then they say, "Well," they say he's really only as he's you know he's he's harmless unless you know and I say thank you like, once again I've proven I'm perfectly harmless and you always say that in front of the nurse that I have a crush on thank you for that as well doctor because she always giggles uh, when you say he's perfectly harmless and I know that kills all the vibes so thanks again I'll be going. And it's my, it's also my friend who I say, can you, can we, can you give me an exam and I have a crush on that? And he said, not again, you know, he said, one more, I could just give me one more chance with her, please. 
Uh, but anyway, I got to sorry, I got distracted there. But I, I don't sit down, and, and there's not a, like, Scooter is kind of like a place I go or maybe a met. But it was, then I was thinking of again, I was thinking about this ventriloquist dummy because it had come up in a story a couple weeks ago how I, I had, because I was like, oh, it's Bobby Finger, the first person that ever interviewed me in my whole life. And then I said, well, I had that contact at the fireman's field days with the weatherman. I don't think he was a weatherman, but I, I don't know his thing, his role. Maybe he was the station comedy guy, you know, because I don't know if Syracuse was big enough to have a station comedy guy. Like, there's the dramatic movie in Ghana that I ever, if I ever make one, that, that the uh, morning news comedy guy has a guarantee that's like the highest burnout rate of any job on earth. I personally have seen it cost two guys their, like, you know, sanity, and I'm not kidding. So, anyway, where was I? Oh, so I had talked to that guy, and he was a ventriloquist. I think that's what's called a ventriloquist dummy, right? And I can hear the, you know, well, every ventriloquist dummy in the world talking. But then I was like, is Scooter and Drew, is that like, and this will leave me open for a lot of jokes, but I was like, is that a, am I a ventriloquist dummy? And then, and then it's like, obviously, well, who's, you know, who's hand, you know, oh boy, I don't want to get, especially when it involves myself, like get your hand out. I said, ah, okay, so that we don't want to go down that road. But so I was thinking about this interaction with this guy because he had a ventriloquist dummy. And I was thinking, like, I guess maybe I had a forlorn urge to own my own ventriloquist. I don't like that term either. It's a very derogatory term. But these are, for the most part, these guys are portrayed as nasty, nasty uh, characters, these ventriloquist dummies are mostly jerks, let's be honest, or at least their portrayal in the media. And that's their positive, like, that's their best thing, because then, you know, they can shade into more things where, you know, like, people just don't trust them. And that also goes for kid-sized dolls, you know, as we've seen. And I think that all stems, stems back from my buddy, who was this life-size, it wasn't quite a life-size kid doll, when I was little, um, and my brother, Ken, he had all, I think it was Ken, maybe it was Ted. He wanted a, my buddy. And again, this is when you don't get jokes as a kid. And, you know, we had six kids in our house. So rarely, I mean, we were, we were still spoiled brats, but you know, usually you wouldn't get the, the, my buddy. That was the brand name. You'd get the, like, uh, the other doll, but whichever doll my brother got, it was like my buddy. It was a big, like another boy is supposed to be your best friend. I think even what's his name did some comedy about it. Uh, I don't know. I can't think of it right now. But, but my brother, he said, he said, what's the brand of that doll? My my dad kept calling it Kerosene Ken. And the doll reeked of kerosene, even though it wasn't soaked. It, it's like whatever it was made from. It was like a kerosene-based plastic, like and its clothes. It was definitely like this doll was not uh, certified, you know, whatever. This was pre-safety standards or else they, you know, said ah, safety standards. You know, to say it's made in the USA with safety standards, we just have to ship it there and ship it back. Don't worry. So so I never got that joke to all later. I said, oh, it's because the doll smelled like it was about to burst into flames that uh, 
that they called it that. Uh, but at some point, at least child-sized dolls, and I guess throughout time, the ventriloquist dummy, maybe it goes back to Punch and Judy, who I love so. I love that genre. Way more, I mean, no offense to ventriloquist dummies, but I, I do prefer, I just like that uh, biting humor of Punch and Judy in the absurdity and almost hopelessness. And, and oh boy, I love Punch and Judy. And I think I've pitched Tim Burton on this, and I know Tim Burton won't be listening at uh, whatever 28 minutes into this podcast he doesn't listen to. Uh, and I don't think anyone that could get a hold of Tim Burton, John August, I don't know, Johnny Depp, uh, Tim, I mean, obviously Tim Curry is who I pitched it for. But let's make a freaking uh, Punch and Judy movie. I mean, and Punch and Judy could just be the B, you know, the surreal part, but in the Punch and, you know, obviously, like, I would like to see Tim Curry uh, play, you know, the, 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 whatever, the puppeteer. We could get someone else, like uh, Martin Freeman, maybe. I don't know. Uh, we could, you know, I could work with Martin Freeman in my imagination. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, I guess I was thinking. I said to myself, I said, I was, I, and I can picture exactly where I was. I was on my the shuttle bus I take to go through the tunnel that connects the island I live on. I live on this tiny island. And it goes through a tunnel to downtown Oakland. And right as we were about to go into the tunnel, those ventriloquist dummies just jumped in my head, the words. And then I started thinking about ventriloquist dummies. And I said, you know, and then I said, well, am I a ventriloquist dummy? And then I, it was like I was in, in an act and I didn't have any control, you know. Or I said, yes, you are. You know, they, uh, that whole thing. And they said, why are all of them so mean, you know, so mean spirited or, you know, pure, pure evil. It would be where, where a lot of them go. Oh, and also my daughter's reading goosebumps, which has, a, and I haven't read those books. so I don't know the plot, but I said to myself on behalf, I said, hey, are, well, for, and I shouted this on the bus on my knees with my hand. I said, are there any good ventriloquist dummies in the world? And everyone on the bus, you know, because the bus is loud, and and they do that a lot. So they say, they say, what? And they said, that is a mouthful. I wish, they said, I wish there was another term for ventriloquist. They said, ventriloquist buddy, you know, and and then I said, talking buddy, no. And I thought, maybe this is my quest to to revitalize. And And I guess, like, so you got... I guess you got that one comedian who goes around, Jeff Dunham, I think his name is. He's really rich and famous. He's done so well for himself. I think that's his name, and he's a, but he's a puppeteer, and I think there'd probably be, you know, this is more vaudevillian, you know, where Jeff Dunham's like, uh, he's kind of like, uh, I don't know, I don't, I'm not familiar with his humor, to be honest, so I don't know if it's uh, a GPG or R humor. I'm guessing my impression is that it's a G, you know, it's family friendly, but, and that's great because it was, it's, it's been great for him. Uh, but then you have these ventriloquist dummies that kind of seem like they're full of hate and vitriol for humans, or at least for their, the audience. And maybe sometimes they're a little bit crass and, you know, pervs. 
And then, and then you said, we, we, lamb chop. Was lamb chop nice? I forget Sherry something was the one that did lamb chop. But again, that's a, that's a puppet. So we're not talking about puppets here. I can't, I can't fix everything. Okay. But I thought to myself, Jesus, is there, cause I said, I'd like to tell a ventriloquist story, ventriloquist dummy story. And then one part of my brain said, well, why don't you just talk about thinking about ventriloquist dummies for 18 to 19 minutes? And I said, that I can handle. Let's do that for sure. But then maybe we could still figure out a story about ventriloquist dummies. And I said, this was on the bus. So to go back to us, I said, that popped in my head. Am I like ventriloquist dummies, a word, words, then am I one? Then I said, well, I'd like to tell this. And they said, well, it's too, too many pitfalls, you know, because where are you going to go with it? That, you know, it always, and I said, you're right. I can't, could I tell a sleepy story? And they said, well, it couldn't definitely a ventriloquist dummy could not do this job. So let me just put that out of your minds, ventriloquists and ventriloquist dummies. No one, I mean, even I cannot recoup your reputation enough to say, oh, yeah, just sit that ventriloquist dummy in the room with my child and let it talk my child right to sleep. Even the most uh, detached and, you know, the parent wouldn't, wouldn't, you know, your, you know, your reputation can only be saved. So this would be just one story to start with, you know. And so I said, well, so you're telling me you want to do a story of redemption for Vin? And I said, well, I don't know what story I want to do. And then I got off the bus. And so I said, did you did you just shout out, uh, are there any, I said, I said, Vic's running. I don't know. Silent runnings or cool runnings left in the world. And he said, I, I seen him at the 99 cent store. The D, and so then I went and bought Cool Runnings on DVD. So that was good. But yeah, I was thinking, like, uh, like where would a ventriloquist dummy start? Like, would it start with the dummy or the ventriloquists? And then, the, you know, it's tough when you have a peanut gallery in your brain, a ventriloquist say, well, it starts with the dummy, the ventriloquist dummy. And I say thank you for your material that's only been used 5,000 times in the Borscht Belt and, you know, wherever else ventriloquist dummies can be found nowadays. But I said, you know, there's got to be, I get, I, get, I get it, there's got to be people out there rebooting. If not, you know, please. I mean, I guess it would be a life of pain and, you know, to try to re- there's got to be some people out there working some new material. I, you know, like I said, I love those kind of circus things. And I said, somebody ventriloquist dummies do not belong in circuses. And I'd say, what about in the mouth of a tiger? And then, you know, so I said, okay. And they said, well, that, you know, the veteran. I said, well, what if it's an illusion? And that's actually where our story starts. It was this new circus called the Purple, Purple, Purple. He thought it was called, originally it was called the Purpose World Tour Circus, but then they changed the name to Purple People's Players, the Purple People Circus, I think, or the Purple People Circus, the P, Triple P Circus, you know, triple, what do they call that? The Three Rings, and they, they had these beautiful, beautiful purple tents, 
And this was like going to be the, this was this new circus and it was trying to find a way. They said, okay, well, how can we not look like we're a crappy circus that exploits animals or the circus that just shows up for a little while and then you're driving, commuting, your kid sees it and then you have to take him out of guilt circus. Those are two types. And again, you know, send all the complaints to the story swamp, uh, I got nothing against any circuses, believe me. Or any complaints about that, send to the story some of it, because I, maybe I do have complaints, I don't know. Or Cirque du Soleil, which is, you know, higher end. And they kind of got the, they got also the higher end in the, you know, they I don't think they are the only artistic circus, but, you know, they kind of got it, you know, where you'd have to find a new way of doing it. You know, that's understandable and has, you know, an actual plot line. And again, sent, you know, those complaints. I don't know that I've seen a Cirque du Soleil show uh, because I'm not a billionaire. So, uh, okay, and that'll be the end of the Cirque du Soleil comedy hour uh, that just cost me my entire podcast, you know, from the lawsuit, impending lawsuits. Uh, but this circus, the Purple's People's Circus, the Triple P Circus, is a, it would become to known, become to, uh, whatever the proper pronunciations are. At Purple People's, uh, what is it, the Purple People's Playhouse, pronunciations are preposterous anyway. So they they, they were like, okay, there's a, they tried to, they were like, how do we find our way? And this guy that ran it, he called himself, and I guess this, you know, might offend. He called himself Mister England, and uh, Mister England, Mister England, and then, and it was a show name. And, and but he was an English man, and he was it was his quest to find a circus. You know, he said there's got to be a market for this. You know, like the twenty dollar range, maybe the ten dollar matinee. And then people, you know, the ticket price is said, that's too boring. But he was trying to find a circus that costs about the same, maybe a little bit more than a movie, but offered, uh, you know, double the entertainment value, which isn't easy, you know, because I just saw a kid's movie this weekend. It was really good. But so they had tried under the Purpose World Tour, where they tried to kind of make a circus about, which like kind of like a social, not totally a social justice circus, but, you know, like where they were kind of anti-wrangling, not anti, but, you know, trying to be a contrast and then trying to be more focused than artistic. And it just didn't work out. Uh, I think mostly just they got on the bad side of a bunch of these bloggers and, and I don't know. But then they, they, so he started trying to search the world for entertaining things uh, for this Purple People's Circus. And he said, if you can remember it like it was St. David's Day, like it was yesterday. And I think he was praying to St. David, who I'm not familiar with, to be honest, saying, you know, come on, I want to make, I want to bring affordable but profitable circus joy to the children of the world. And then he saw this street busker, like he was walking the streets of London, I think. I think it was London. And he was down, he was praying, you know, to St. David while he's walking with his head down. And then he heard this roar, this lion's roar from around the corner. 
and it was it sounded very real, bass heavy. And he said, "What, what?" And then he heard squeals of children and adults, and he said, "What, what?" And there's another huge roar, and they heard this gasp. And then he he he, he summoned his courage, you know, because he said, "Well, I'm supposed to be Mister England." I mean, mostly in the U.S. was when he's uh, clearly, and you're not going to walk around London calling yourself Mister England, unless you're a total buffoon, which he actually was too. But he would, you know, he wouldn't dare do that there. But anyway, he runs around the corner because he said, hey, "You know, maybe I could help, or at least find out what's going on." And he sees this crowd gathered right as he rounds the corner. The crowd crowd starts to cheer, yay, yay, and clap. And he waits. He says, well, that's a, a happy crowd. You know, that's like a, a circus, you know, a circus blue sky circus guy. And so he waits and then the crowd starts to part, you know, and he's like, what? And then he's like, oh, this is bus, you know, one of the great squares in London or any major city that has good, good, good quality buskers. And, then, you know, that's where. And he was like, oh, why didn't I think? He goes, of course, I should have come here. Should have found, you know, exploitable talent for my circus. And then uh, someone said, yeah, you know, you're the the fool that calls yourself Mr. England. And he said, not here. And he goes, well, I've been to Kansas, you know. Just because you're in Kansas doesn't give you the right to call yourself Mr. And he said, well, did you learn anything at my circus? And he goes, I learned you dislike uh, Ringling. And he said, I, I don't have time to argue. I'm trying to. He goes, what was going on there? He goes, oh, it's a wonderful show. Wonderful, wonderful show. And then uh, he sees the crowd. And he sees this woman. And she's kind of picking up some dollars that had fallen out of this hat. And then he sees this box with the doors closed. He, said, well, he goes, is this where the lion was? He was thinking that at first. And he sees it sitting in this chair next to the dress in a lion tamer's outfit is uh, is uh, the top half of a ventriloquist dummy. And he says, oh, well, that's interesting. And then he, go, he says, oh, and he goes, was there a lion? And he goes, okay, let me make my move here. He goes, good afternoon, good afternoon. Was there a lion here? I heard a lion roaring. And the woman looks at him and she goes, she goes, next show, the greatest show in the history of Europe and all of London. It'll be up in uh, uh, top of the two o'clock hour. Something, I don't know, I don't do the greatest imitations, but uh, he says, well, is there a lion in this show? And then he hears like the uh, ventriloquist dummy giggle, giggle. And she says, what's so funny? And he goes, I'd be a lie. You know, he goes, there's so many good, this is a, the dummy says this, he said, but it, his mouth doesn't move. But she was throwing her voice. I'll just ruin that for you. And he he goes, uh, he goes, you know, I'd be lying. He was making some joke about lying. I don't know. I, I dropped that joke by accident. If it does a joke, fumble. But uh, so Mr. England he says, he says, okay, well, can I sit here and wait for the show to start to mind? And she goes, well, I was just going to, she goes, yeah, can you keep an eye on, uh, on my stuff? And he goes, so are you going to trust me with your, your box and your dummy? And then the dummy goes, I'm no dummy. 
And then he giggled, Mr. English. He couldn't believe how good her voice throwing was. And he goes, hey, he goes, hey, he goes, did you learn that out of the back of a comic magazine? And she goes, she goes, well, no, I, she goes, I did order that one. But she goes, no, no, I worked with, I went to the MUFC. And he goes, MUFC, what's that stand for? She goes, it's secret, it's a secret society. And she goes, can you keep an eye on my stuff? Can I trust you? And he says, I could trust you. You could trust me. And she goes, I didn't, and she, he goes, don't worry, I'm, I'm not going to take anything. I just want to see the show. I'm a, I'm a showman myself. And she goes, well, this here's Adam Scott. She pointed at the dummy. And she goes, I'm Martha Mark Lawrenson. And she goes, I'm just going to go give me, give me a, give me a, give me a tea. You want anything? And he goes, no, 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 no. And so then he sits down and he looks at the dummy. He wasn't paying a lot. He was, he was looking at the box and he was trying to figure out where the lion, and he was like, okay, maybe there's a lion in the box, you know, not a real lion. And then the, the, the ventriloquist dummy, the figure, just his top ass says, what are you looking for the lion? And he's shocked. But the things, its lips didn't move, but it was clearly the noise was coming from the, the dummy, or, you know, the figure, uh, Adam, we'll call him Adam. And he goes, how come you have a name like a famous actor? And he said, well, she, she has a huge crush on him. So she said, you know, she named him her best friends. And then the guy goes, oh, she, I guess I'm actually a little jealous of that guy. And he goes, well, it's understandable. He's very successful, so. Uh, but Martha's the best, so you'll be fine. And he, he said, excuse me, but do, do you mind if I ask where your bottom half is? And the, the, the dummy says, well, what do you mean my bottom half? He goes, well, you you only have a top half. You don't have a bottom half. And he goes, oh, boy. He goes, the lion still got it. He goes, the lion ate it, you know. I'd be lying if in nature he just started laughing. He said, I'm sorry, I love these. And he said, You're still the dummy said this, the Adam. He said, You're still staring at me. What in the Lakers are you staring at me about? And Mr. England said, What do you what? And he goes, Well, he goes, We're we we're from the land you know, we're from he goes, We've been in Minnesota a long time, the land of the lakes. And Mr. England said, I thought I traveled for are you sure that's not the golden gopher state? And then the dummy just like said, it doesn't matter. He goes, I just thought that. He goes, uh, why are you staring at me? And uh, Mr. Angles said, well, first of all, it's confusing because I'm talking to you, Adam. And you're talking back, maybe your lips aren't moving. And he said, well, I'm missing my me bottom half, man. Like, how, how, you know, because I'm lucky I can even talk to you. And then he laughed again. And then Mr. England seemed further taken aback, and Adam said, well, why you, you seem further taken aback? He goes, is there something I'm doing? And he goes, listen, mate, I, I just am wondering, because most of these dummies, he goes, you don't got any attitude or any sass. He goes, is this what you're like on break? And he goes, no, no, I'm so over sass, man. He goes, all those, he goes, he goes you know how much cortisol released? Because you think me and Marcy got time to go around insulting each other when we're out here trying to make a buck busking. And he goes, the world's got enough bitter uh, ventriloquist dummies.
It's full of them. And he goes, and then there's their dolls. And I say, ah, you know, and then they both laughed at that. And then Mr. England said, you know what, Adam, I'm Barry, by the way. It'd be nice to meet you. And he said, nice to meet you. And then, you know, Barry, Mr. England, he said he didn't know whether to shake the dummy's hand or or whatever. And then the dummy said, you mind getting my... Uh, my uh, bottom half out of the front of that box, you know, can you open that box and get him? It's, it's right in there. And then Barry said, well, yeah, I'm supposed to watch everything. I don't know. I'm still not sure if I, you know, and he said, just go in there and just get, just open it. He goes, see that flap right there? He goes, right where it says pull here. And then Barry said, it says, don't pull here. And he said, yeah, just pull there. And he goes, my, he goes, my inside, you know, my bottom half is right in there. My whole, my waist down. And so then uh, Barry was like, kind of like, I don't know, Adam. I don't, want, I don't want Martha to get mad at me. And he was looking around the square. He didn't see Martha anywhere. And so then uh, Adam said, please, please do me a favor. He goes, I'd like to, you know, he goes, I, he goes I don't, you're talking to a, a bottomless dummy. And then they had a laugh about that. And he said, all right. He goes, don't worry, Martha won't mind. He goes, she just said, watch this stuff. She never said, don't touch it. And then Barry said, yeah, you're right about that. Why would be? So then he, op- he goes, he, there's a little flap, it's a cardboard box, big cardboard box, about the size of a washer and dryer on its side with a flap cut into it. And it says, do not open. And then he pulls it open and uh, there's this... Uh, uh, sleeping lion. It's not a real lion, though. It's a giant plush lion head. And but it sounds like it's sleeping. So, and uh, Barry Paul, he goes, "Is this gonna? Is this lion gonna scare me? Is this you? Know, are you playing?" And Adam said, "No, no, no, no. Well, we do that joke for kids because kids like to be scared. But no, no, no." And he said, "Hey, Martha, get, give him. You know, let, he goes, hey, get, give him my bottom." And then the lion lifts its head up. It's clearly a puppet, and then it lets its head out and it drops the bottom into Barry's hands, and then it licks Barry's face, and then Barry says, "This is probably the." He goes, "And I've lived an odd life." He goes, "This might be the most oddest afternoon of my life." And Adam said, "Well, stick around for the show. It starts in fifteen minutes." And then Martha started to giggle in control because she was inside the line, or at least her arm was, and she was hiding behind the box. And then she came around and she laughed and she kind of, and, and she had this wonderful smile on her face that immediately Barry was taken with as a professional entertainer and as a, uh, you know, as a human being, we'll say. And his breath was taken away. And he was holding the bottom half of a ventriloquist dummy. And he said, wow, he goes, uh, he goes, you, you were, it was you all the time. And then Adam goes, it was us all the time. And he goes, is that your thing? He goes, is that a, and she goes, no, 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 no. She goes, here, give me his bottom. She goes, no, no, I just having fun. I'm not, I don't live facetiously through Adam. He is my friend. And she goes, it is a relationship. And she goes, she goes, well, she goes, well, now you have to buy me a tea because I, I didn't scare you. 
And Barry said, well, geez, I'd like to buy you like dinner or something. Because I'm trying to come up with this idea where things are different and this is so different. He goes, so you have a ventriloquist act. And she goes, it's a show. And he goes, okay, because I don't want to quibble. And then Barry said, quibble. And then he just laughed. And then Barry, uh, Adam, excuse me. And he, 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 Barry said, Jesus, he goes, I've been searching. And, and uh, he goes, I, I, I want to start a circus that's different than everything else out there. Uh, that's a show. And he goes, it just seems like you're doing something so different right here. He goes, it's just so cool. She goes, well, you haven't even seen the show yet. He goes, I feed a... She goes, see, he's got his lion tamer's outfit, Adam. And she goes, I got a whole thing with the lion, you know. And then he, he accidentally, he saves all the children. And he goes, you're kidding me. And he goes, no, no, it's a She goes, this is a circus-based show. So funny you stopped by. And he goes, well, I heard the lion roaring. And I heard children screaming. And, uh... I had to rush over here, you know, after panicking for a few seconds. And she goes, and then Adam goes, you're just like me. And he goes, well, I'm not as brave as you, Adam. And he goes, well, I'm not, you know, he goes, it's just an act. And then Martha laughed again. And he goes, I don't catch why your name's Martha Mark. And she said, well, two reasons. One, my parents thought I was a boy when I was first born. Don't ask. And he goes, he goes, you are, she goes, it's just a, she goes, don't worry, it wasn't anything. And she goes, and my dad also liked Marky Mark. So he thought it'd be funny if he called me Martha Mark. And he goes, well, how did they make that mistake if it's, and she said, well, I was born at a pub at three in the morning and everyone was drunk. So that's why. And he goes, oh, she goes, it was just an umbilical cord. They didn't realize that. He goes, whoa. And she goes, yeah, that's my family. Uh, she goes, that's why I had to, you know, reinvent myself as a ventriloquist, you know. And he goes, oh, yeah. Because we're just trying to process all this uh, emotional trauma through our circus arts. And he goes, you're an artist, Martha, and I want to work with you. And I'd like to have dinner with you and just talk about, you know, if we could work together. You know, he's just been searching my whole life to find something like this, and I didn't even know this was what I was looking for, you know what I mean? And she said, well, she goes, I think you're overblowing it. You just happened to turn the right corner at the right time. And she goes, well, she goes, you want to work the line for the act. Do you think you can not screw that up? And... Barry said, well, I might, no. And she goes, well, you could just work the boombox then. Could you do that? And he goes, yeah. And she goes, you just got to, she goes, you just got to press play when, when the show starts. It plays all the music. She goes, I already have it looped. So, and he said, well, she's sick. And then we'll have dinner. And now this was the start of, obviously, it's clear, maybe, of a love story uh, between Martha and Barry. And that love story would would be what was formed, the uh, Purple People's, it was whatever it was called, the circus, the Purple People's Circus, uh, that would eventually find its way through shows like that, that twisted 
but in a more concrete audience pleasing no well, I guess that's the wrong way to put it, but in a in a kind of concrete way that twisted the audience's expectations around. Because uh, what Marcia didn't say was that Jesus was this uh, circus act with a box, and Adam was a lion tamer, and uh, Martha was in the act, and she was someone that said, well, she was an inspector, and she was saying, you know, the act kind of went like this. So she said, Adam says, ladies and gentlemen, I'm, I'm so proud to present my lion taming act and to bring my lion taming act to London. You know, there'd be music, and they say, inside this cage is the most, you know, you go on the whole thing. And after, on the African savanna, the king of the jungle, and then he would do this thing where he'd say, oh, Jesus, in the most of the prey, you know, he, Adam would even kind of stand up in his seat, and, and his chair was like one of those lions, and every once in a while the lion would, lion's paw would come out and swipe. And, you know, and they say, just like you children, the exact same size. And then they had a, even a little sheep that would, just a little sheep puppet. They think that was a marionette. Yeah, because Martha, was, I can see her, she's standing. And then the lion would sweep that. And it was the same size as most of the kids, right? And he said, kids, move up a little closer after the sheep got pulled in. And then Martha would become part of the show when she was an inspector. And she'd say, what is she? She would pretend she was a real London inspector, like a bureaucrat, actually. You know, that was part of the show. And she'd say, what is the meaning of this? What is it? What are all? And she would ask the children. That's always a good gimmick. Maybe not a gimmick, but she'd say she would ignore Adam for a while in his authority, even though he's in. She'd say, what is the meaning of all this? What are you children gathered around? And then she would back up, and then the lion would be swiping at her back. But Adam would be actually trying to defend her and get the lion back in. And then the children would be pointing, there's a lion, you know, there's a lion. she said, what? You know, playing the dumb adult authority figure. And she would be like, what is the meaning of all of this? And then she'd say, what do you say? Are you lying? You know, then there would be that, the Ivan and Costello. Who's lying about what? And they'd say, you know, every once in a while, kid would be, he's lying about the lion. And then, you know, she would have, she had a thing, and she'd say, what is your, you know, and she'd start taking down, you know, names. And then it would come out, finally, it would become clear. She'd say, what do you have that outfit on? What are you doing with that chair, holding that chair? What are you poking at that box? What is the meaning? We need this box. Do you have a permit for a box here? And he said, isn't my interesting? These children are gathered here for a show. Do you have your busker permit? And then Adam, and then it would come out that Adam was like an unlicensed marionette, whatever, ventriloquist dummy. And then she said, haven't you heard of the City of London Ventriloquist Dummy Act? You know, that you're ban- you know, we've declared you all evil. None of you have done any good in the world. And that'd be the kind of, She'd actually hurt his feelings, you know, a little bit, but then he would say, oh, okay, well, you know, I'm not trying to be, you know, she's my, you know, and he would tell a story, then he'd try to win her back. Uh, this is Adam and Martha. And then, but then it would come out about the lion, and then Martha was also, she'd say this, you know, she could be really mad that he was, she's one, that he doesn't have a permit, two, 
You know, she doesn't like to lie and being in a show, even though, you know, it's a, it's a joke. You know, it's not real. And so they would double it, and she'd start going up with the fines. And this was also an intelligent way that they, because then uh, Adam would say, throw, you know, does anybody have any money? Because she's starting to find me. So he would, they, they would start the, the donations early or get some donations in the pie. Come on, come on. And he would hand the hat out. And then it got a little ghostbustery. I didn't want to throw them under the bus. But then she would say, you know, why were, you know, they demand you open this cage, you know. And I can see the state of this poor lion. And he'd be like, no, this is, you know, you can't open the, you know, do not open thing. And then, you know, they would go back and forth. And then the lion would get fierce and it would be growling. And then Adam would defend, you know, then Adam was defending her. And then she would escape and kind of run away in fear, like an anti-bureaucratic thing, I guess. And leave her, uh, what do you call that thing? Uh, check, whatever that thing's called. I know I just used the word, but uh, clipboard. And then he would use the clipboard, and then the lion would come. And then he'd be trying to defend the children. And then I think the twist was that then he would start, then he'd be like exhausted, exhausted. And he'd be like, what is it? And then the lion would say, you promised me two steaks. And that, that was kind of the punchline of the show. Not to ruin it. But then he'd say, oh, two steaks, that's what I got for legs. And then he'd pull up his pants because his wooden legs, you know. And then I think he would do a little monologue. And then he, the lion would say, it's the children, uh, you know, the steaks. Uh, uh, and then he'd say, okay. And then he would throw his uh, he'd throw his waist into the lion. He'd say, well, can I keep me? And then the lion say, yeah, go ahead, keep your top half. And then, uh, you know, then I think there's a little more drama in there in the middle. Uh, but then that would be, the, that was the show. And that was the show that won Barry's heart. And I don't know what won Martha's heart, you know. Maybe that he was kind of interacting with Adam as an equal. And, uh, you know, he had his own things, but that I guess would be another story, you know. But this was the story... I guess of, of two two things, like a woman who had the vision, you know, to reinvent the ventriloquist dummy in kind of a familiar way, and a well, and a man who would fall in love with that woman, but in a, in a ventriloquist dummy that brought two people together, that would form a circus, still finding its way, and maybe it'll find its way into another one of our stories again one day. Uh, but thank you. And uh, let's say some thank yous and good nights, all right? Okay, you know, it's a weird, I don't know if anybody heard this on the news, but uh, IKEA now made this, made this imaginary announcement that, uh, you know, they have the IKEA family thing. And they say, you know, we, 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 we love our roots and these names and that. But the guy that made the names quit, and then there was this trade. And that's no nobody knows about this. This is on the imaginary news. But he quit. He claimed all the trademarks for the names. So they said, "Well, geez, why don't you?" They started raff, raffling off to thank customers. They said, "Well, geez, we'll, we'll name the product after you, as to say thanks and thank you." 
customers that sleep with me podcast and not if I can't believe it or not, I did not know, you know, how popular I was there at headquarters. But uh, so the first day he said, oh, there's a, they said, look at this, uh, there's a Jessica LG. And you think that's a store, ba- you know, storage for bathroom, uh, hand hand wash, uh, Courtney B armchair, Dolores A throw, a Carden B, uh, gardening hose, Olivia S. Uh, there's a look at the olive forks. They're color coordinated, of course. A Pauly P, uh, a pasta strainer. A good, good run, good, good rune. Uh, they said that must be their old name, and I said, "What is this? It's a windy? Oh, it's a, a hat stand." And then right next to the hat stand, of course, there's a KCK cane, cane. And I said, "Well, okay, I like that. It's uh, very modern." And then there was a Jonathan N. A tent, a kids to play tent. And a Kristen T. Uh, sink sweeper. I said, well, I like the sound of that. What does it sweep sinks on its own? And there, the employees already knew to ignore me. Uh, Paul S. Uh, Hall rug. A BH. Um, a feather duster. A Jed P. A lamp, a lamp lighter. To light your lamps externally, and Alan L, you know Alan Wrench. I said, "Oh boy, he hit, they hit the jackpot on that one." A uh, Carol F, uh, fish tank. They said they make fish tanks now, huh? Uh, Serena M, a uh, uh, Serena M, uh, pretend fi- you know, toy fire truck uh, with a siren. I said. Well, uh, an oldly wardrobe. I said, okay, that's good. Joseph P. Uh, mirror, w- doors for the wardrobe, mirror doors. Uh, Yoav omelet maker. I said, that's oh, that's handy. Uh, Gabrielle D. Uh, candle holder with uh, sparkles. I said, okay, that's sweet too. Thanks and good night. Uh, James CT set. And they said, that's, uh, they said, that sounds like a character. And uh, what's your name? James C.T. said, I'm a T. You know, I said, was that cut from Beauty and the Beast direct to video five? You know, uh, there's an Xtina crossroad uh, bike uh, thing. Uh, uh, Tamar. Uh, Tamar G. Uh, uh, tonsil checker. I said, well, boy, that's, I said, they really are expanding. Mary H., a uh, branch holder for decorative branches. I think that's big now. A uh, Deborah, a uh, Deborah uh, clothes rack for drying your clothes. Uh, my tray, a uh, uh, tray for uh, you know when you're in bed eating. Uh, Joshua D, Joshua tree uh, holder. Uh, for many, they have many Joshua trees there now too. Uh, Doug W. Cat Toy. I said, oh, that's cool. And Annie A. Uh, dress-up kit for you to pretend you're some sort of Swedish orphan, but they still call it, you know, they said, well, okay. Like my Annie. Like Annie. 
in the in the cafeteria place or the cafe, I think they called it. They had a Daniel H. almond cake, a Jordan D. chocolate torte. Uh, they had this lemon thing in marzipan, Moana uh, lemon marzipan cake. That was good. Uh, they named the lingonberry juice after Elizabeth H. Uh, and then they had the uh, Geek Cave uh, chocolate lava cake, cave cake. Uh, they had a Susie B. Salmon. Uh, that was nice. Uh, they also had a Jessica R. Barbecue Bar. Is that a barbecue bar, eh? Uh, they had a Jim W. Piece of White Fish. That looked good. Uh, Steve H. Casserole, which looks interesting. Oh, cool. Miles B. Uh, fruit fruit Roll-Up. Lingonberry Fruit Roll-Up. Uh, Kelly T. Uh, tea, tea. Said, is that iced tea or warm? They said, well, you choose. And I said, well, what would Kelly choose? And then they said, she she likes the Lisa W. salad. And I said, oh, wow. And then they said, would you like a, a Zach W. with it? And I said, what's that? And they said, it was a sandy tray with silverware, uh, silverware storage. I said, oh, sweet. And then they said, go ahead and sit down at a Kathleen H. And I said, is that table and chairs? They said, yes. And I said, you guys, you're really naming everything. And they said, put some Joe F. in your glass. I said, that's that great, those greatest, uh, great ice cubes you have there. So then I finished up my meal, wiped my face with a wonderful uh, cloth Martin P. And then uh, bust my table. Uh, I made a stop at the Lynn W. Uh, then I hopped on to Vanessa I, which is a, uh, which was the, uh, what do you call it, the escalator. And then I was in the uh, section. I picked up a couple of ABs, which were uh, batteries, uh, but not a size A or B. And then I got some uh, Jan Fs, which were uh, tea, tea, tea plates. They said there's a lot of tea here. And then I then I said, well, she said, I need some Norbees, some Norbees for storing my teas, uh, some little tea boxes. Then I said, geez, I should pick up some lila, uh, lily, lily, lily pads in a in a jar. Those will look good. And I saw some Aliars, which were look like Rolos, but I said, I don't know if those are. And I saw, you know, a couple of cups of Joe, cups for Joe. So I said, oh, that's a perfect name. And then I said, what is that? And that was Trent J. It was a Trent J. It was a t- plate for salmon. I said, well, if I barbecue any salmon. And I saw Laura to the B to the SR. She was just there. I said, hey, it's great to see you. Uh, then I got back in, and then suddenly I was back in the lighting section. I saw Kimberly V, which was a super LED, new LED lights they had. Uh, Scott C, which was a nice dimmer. And a Linda H, which was this beautiful, uh, it was a, one of those paper lanterns within a paper lantern. Then a Lee N. Uh, which was what you could hang the paper lantern from the, the pendant light. 
I saw Molly N, which is a great tool kit. I said, that's handy. Uh, then I saw Joan M, which was a party hat. I said, oh, it must be in the party section. Because I saw Marilyn S, which was the party bags. And then Rachel S, which was these little uh, fun little to- wooden toys you give out at a party. Then Liz B was all these straws they had, like multicolored straws. Uh, then then so there was a lie to lie, which was a new kind of hammock they had. I said, well, this looks pretty good. And I saw Genevieve, which was uh, Genevieve, but it was Genevieve, 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 it was like a perfume. I said, they're making their own perfume here now. Then there was Anne Marie, which I said, what, I said, is that a saying? And they said, no, it's a swing, you know, to put in your backyard. I said, oh, okay, that's awesome. Uh, then there was a Sunni uh, sun hat. And I said, okay, now we're in the... And yeah, there was a Gen M. I think it was Teak. It looks like Teak outdoor stuff. A Joseph B. Yard Game. And they said, there's another character, Joseph B. Yard Game. Yard Games are my name. Joseph B. Yard Games my name. And there was a Jocelyn P. barbecue or a fire pit, you know, to keep warm, especially if you're in the Bay Area where summer doesn't get warm. And then there was a Lee J. smoker. I said, that's handy. And then there was a Micah W. Uh, It looked like it wasn't for Micah. It was uh, some other uh, hybrid countertop. Uh, then there was Maurice W. It, it lights, you know, you'd hang in your backyard to make it look really cool. Then there was a Jeff K. Uh, it was it was something for if you're making an imaginary parade and you march the thing, the stick you hold if the head marcher. Uh, then there was a Stefan shaving mirror, which I saw was cool. And I thought, okay, it must be in the bathrooms again. I saw I'm going to know... And there was a Barbara H. Child dryer and heater. Uh, they used natural something. There was a Rhea recycling bin. I said, that's witty, witty. These people are witty. And there was a Kathleen D. Uh, composter. And then there was a Millicent mailbox. I said, oh, do people still have mailboxes? I guess they do. I don't know. They always live in apartments, so... Uh, then there was a Sherry S. Uh, flashlight. Uh, then there was a Daylight Extinction uh, dinosaur, toy, you know, toy dinosaur. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, then there was a William Cash Register. I said, okay, that makes sense, William. There was some Christy K. Uh, blackout curtains. I said, that's perfect for all the nurse friends. There was a Michelle H. Outdoor Umbrella. And then there was a Chad J. Parasol. And I said, again, another character. What's your name? Chad J. Parasol. Oh, you put, no, no, no. That's just my name, Chad J. Parasol. I mean, I am a parasol, though. I was cut from, uh, yeah, me and Lumiere never got along. You believe it? We're both French and couldn't get along with Lumiere. Only French, and you know, I think all the sunburns uh, Bella could have avoided. Anyway, 
enough to prepare some material for tonight since I lost my space. Uh, then there was a rich J uh, orange juice juicer or just general juicer. A Susan S. Uh, memory foam mattress. Uh, then there was a Mara mower. I said, oh, alliteration even. Uh, there was a Michael W. water fountain for outside. I said, that's about time. Uh, Sheena J. Uh, garden starter kit. A Patty H. Uh, herb garden kit. I said, okay, now we're getting some stuff we could actually use. Uh, Christy G. French Press. Uh, Christy, uh, uh, Christy G. French Press. And in the, then the last thing I saw was an Eliza M. Macaroni Maker. And that was, that was it. I, I actually climbed up, crawled up on a, a Adrian D. Uh, like, uh, like, what do you call it? Papazon or something. I went to sleep for a while. So that's thanks. Thanks and good night, everybody.